Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Okay, we're experimenting with something new on the show this week. As many of you know, Commune is not just a podcast, but it's also a course platform that features a huge breadth of thought leaders, authors, teachers, and increasingly more and more functional and integrative medicine doctors. The course library on onecommune.com now contains hundreds of programs spanning personal growth, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. I think of it as all of the different components that inform holistic well-being. Now, one particularly popular program is Russell Brand's course on recovery, in which Russell creatively and occasionally profanely adapts the 12-step system into a comprehensive tool for living a more examined, healthier and spiritually engaged life. Now there's an assumption that 12-step recovery is for addicts and alcoholics, and that's true. That's indeed how Russell found his way to the 12 steps. But as Russell will soon demonstrate in this course, it is also an effective and protein tool for untangling yourself from life's more insidious addictions and attachments, including unhealthy relationships to work, or social media, or sex, or gambling, or food, or sugar, or pornography, or codependency. In the past, we have published individual lessons from courses like Russell's here on the podcast. But today, we're trying something new, as I mentioned. So over the next six days, we will be releasing the first six parts of Russell's 12-part series. If you want to watch the full video version of the course, including a variety of bonus lessons and worksheets, then I encourage you to go to onecommune.com recovery and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's onecommune.com recovery. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library and enjoy the full length version of Russell's course on recovery. We will always email you before your free trial is up. But if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are really the reason we are able to create and share content like this. And if you regularly tune into this show, well, I ask that you subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcatcher and tap follow show. And leave us a review if you're so inclined to show your support. It really does make a huge difference. Okay, on with the show. Enjoy this excerpt from Russell Brand's Commune course on recovery. Hello again, and thank you for coming back. Step four is very taxing, and in the context of our exercise, our working relationship together, what we're undertaking is, in a sense, an initial investigation. A fearless and thorough step four will involve cataloguing every single resentment you can recall having. What if I can't remember resentments? What if they're forgotten? If they're not in your conscious mind, then that in itself is a self-imposed editorial. If you can't remember it, then I guess we can let it go. But we can add to a step four at any time. In fact, that's the nature of step 10. 
But having done step four, and remember, we talked through a couple of resentments of mine, one quite serious, a sort of a matter of uh, childhood victimhood and serious transgression, the other, a little more frivolous and located at the ego, directly central ego bullseye, my resentments against famous actors for being, I mean, I did Benedict Cumberbatch, it could be any actor that's more famous than me and with every passing day there seems to be another one today benedict cumberbatch tomorrow taron egerton who will be next on the limitless list of castable males as i continue my descent or is it ascent into frailty dotage and ultimately some sort of vapor or gas or orb of consciousness who knows what lies beyond step five is having made this fearless, fearless and thorough inventory having catalogued everything that's bothered us ever, having nothing at all left in us that we feel we've not investigated. Because I remember the first time that I did step four, I was very reluctant to do that amount of writing, that much of that much endeavor, that much academic scholarly wrist work. And believe me, my wrist had had a lot of rehearsal and a lot of practice. So I breezed through the handiwork a lot easier than some people may have done. The thing that was beautiful about it, and it really did evoke the, you know, sometimes when you do stuff like this, like uh, some sort of self-help thing or some action of personal development or homework, I'm usually doing it because someone's told me to do it, so I'll do it, but I've got no faith it will work. Step four, in conjunction with step five, transformed me. It helped me to recognise patterns that had previously been completely unconscious. The way that I'd got thrown out of schools, jobs, the way that my relationships had ended, the unrealistic expectations I'd had in those relationships, the way that I'd blamed other people for my own failings, the way that I'd built myself a mighty yet dreadfully fragile ego, some great vast Zeppelin Fabergé egg thing just waiting to be popped and shattered as soon as the correct compliment isn't immediately delivered. I learned a great deal about myself. It is indeed a humbling experience. Step five is the salve for the wound that you've explored in step four. Having made a fearless and thorough moral inventory, we admit to ourselves, to God and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. There's sort of three aspects to that, obviously. One, admitting to myself, in my case, like how prideful I'd been, how selfish I'd been, how my tendency towards self-pity, my over-reliance on other people. The admission to another person, like telling someone candidly. What that did is like throughout most of my life and I'm quite capable of feeling it still if I don't stay in alignment with my program. I felt if people really knew me, me as I actually am, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't even like me. They wouldn't want to be around me. When I undertook the step five process, telling someone, I did this when I was five years old, I felt that when I was seven, this thing happened, I did that, I said that, all of these things, all of this shame, all of this toxicity, this writhing pit of belly eels, this blackness, this darkness, this unpleasantness, these seething inner plagues, all unleashed and released. Just in the first time I did it with my first ever mentor, him just sort of sat smoking a fag English style, not uh, US English, 
Like, everyone's going, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, that's no big deal. Yeah, fair enough, mate. And then coming back with a story he'd done. Now, I know you're not doing this process as part of a support group, but if at this point of the process, you know, we've done an inventory, we've admitted we've got a problem, we've come to believe that it can change, we've made a decision to turn our life and a will over. You might have identified, do you know what, my problem is around debt, my problem is around gambling, my problem is around relationships, work, hoarding. There are support groups in all of these areas and you might want to consider joining one of them. They're pretty easy to find using a search engine. You put in your problem, you put in the word anonymous, options will come. And within those groups, you'll find someone who will be the perfect person to be your uh, mentor, or at least the person that you undertake this process with. When the 12 steps were designed in their original written form, it was intended that you could work this process on your own. So they suggested, curiously, that you might find a priest or a rabbi or a doctor. And like, I mean, I can't imagine going to my doctor and, <laughs> and dragging her through the ins and outs of my masturbatory problems as an adolescent. And there I was, doctor, on the rug, a dirty little circle of self-fulfillment, <laughs> spasming wantonly. My mother was in the next room. Well, Mr Brown, take one of these and don't come back. <laughs> you know, but, uh, so I would suggest that you tell someone that cares about you, that has undertaken a comparable program of self-research and self-discovery, but is not too much in love with you, for example. I mean, I would never do this process with my wife because she got too much skin in the game. The point of it is to be able to take, the person in a sense is acting for a, as a human conduit for a higher power, because that is the third component. You're admitting to yourself, to another human being and to your higher power, the exact nature of your wrongs. You're saying, this is who I am. And what you might discover when you undertake this process is that you are not as unlovable as you had assumed you were. That's what I discovered, that the things that I thought were these great unforgivable tragedian themes were just like, these are the everyday occurrences of people that have bodies and impulses and instincts and the kind of minor things that dogged me and bugged me and I couldn't work out why I started to see that they were part of a constellation of inner misery and bad faith and misunderstandings and unnecessary beliefs that could be unpicked. Another key aspect of the program is illustrated here like Consider, who are we when we are alone? Who are we in some world without language, in some world without connection, where there is no awareness of separateness? We live in relationship, ultimately, hard though it is to admit, without one another, we are nothing. So if as a result of your unconscious habits and patterns, you hate everyone in your life or resent everyone in your life. I resent my wife, I resent my kids, I resent the people I work with. That arsehole Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> needs to make some changes. How are you ever gonna be happy? Another key component of the step five confession process found throughout the faiths, found throughout the scriptures, the recognition that through confessing, through speaking, through opening yourself up, you can form different connections. <clears throat> and fundamentally and crucially, Connection is the opposite of addiction. An addiction is an attempt to create, I believe, your, and, and, and I, mean this I mean addiction on wherever you are on the scale, is an attempt to create your own ideology, your own survival system, your own strategy. 
but it always ends up lonely and it always ends up painful. Connection is the opposite of addiction. Connection to yourself, connection to another person, connection to a higher power. All of these ideas are illustrated. What I mean by a higher power in the sense of a step five is you'll discover it. Don't you discover it? Haven't you like read in Orwell that you can have a chance encounter with a stranger and think, I love this person. It's happened to me in cars over the last two days. I've experienced both ends of the scale of my character. Today, the man that drove me to the place where we're filming, an Argentinian man who talked to me like, just, just I was impatient when I got in the car. I was impatient and irritable and moody. And he was, just even the way he spoke to me was so graceful that I immediately recognised you're not in the right frame of mind. And over the course of the day, everything I asked him about, well, could we do this, could we do that? Yes, of course, yes, of course. I'm English, he's Argentinian. We had to touch upon one World Cup in discrepancy in 1986 and a military conflict at around the same time between our nations. And we were two human beings connecting with one another. And by the end of the trip, he told me about his wife in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And I felt and saw a future that I haven't had to live and hopefully will never have to live, where you watch someone you love drift away. These connections are always available. This program has taught me that the truest thing about a person is their beauty and their vulnerability. My own nature and my own tendency is to prioritise the negative attributes of other people, to see other people as competitors, to look for what's negative about them, to dislike them, to, because of, I suppose, fear. You know, these are the kind of things I learned when I undertook the step four process. Now, the reason you do step five is the disease you have and the disease I have is a disease of perception primarily. So we share it with another person to highlight that difference. Like the great Sandy Beach, one of the uh, 12 step prophets of law says, the older I get, the less bad my childhood was. As he grows, as he examines his childhood, the more he learns and the more I have learned, oh, they were doing their best. People were doing their best. Even people that genuinely wronged me were sick people trying to get better, worthy of love and forgiveness. And um, many of the things that I thought that, had, that were bad that had happened to me, didn't even really actually happen when I like sort of broke them down. I learned some serious stuff from step four and five. The first time I did it, as I said to you, it was undertaken this way. Write down everyone you knew between the age of naught and five, the age of five and 10, the age of 15 and 20. Write down every single person, guy on bus, grandma, all of these different, everyone. And then write down any resentment you can think of for any of those people. It just went on and on and on and on. The second time I did it quite recently, blessedly, the person said, just write, do that, still do that process of writing people down, but just pick 20, 20 people that you've got resentments against. So it'll always be sort of the people that you love most in the world, like your family, your kids, your mother, your father, I, yourself usually, because that provides so much. I, I resent myself for not being a good enough man. I resent myself because my body's not good enough. I resent myself because I'm not successful enough. Like just, you know, like all of those things, it's really worth investigating what the patterns are that lie behind them, you know. As we discussed in the last session, you won't feel anything at all unless your pride is being affected, what you think others think about you, your self-esteem, your personal relations, your sexual relations, ambition, security, finances. When you undertake the 
questions, the six questions in the fourth column, you'll see what mistakes you have made. Those mistakes could be, you know, and this is where when I'm doing this with other people, I do this regularly, do uh, inventory process with other men. Usually with me, it's, it's other men. And um, I, I'm always able to point out the, the mistake. Oh, like often it can be a sort of a, a kind of obvious action mistake, like, well, why were you even having an affair with that person? Of course the husband punched you in the face. You know, like it could be sort of, but, but often it's more abstract. Why are you still holding on to that pain? It's not happening now. It's not happening now. You know, that's where the step two edict, do you recognize that change means letting go of patterns of thought, letting go of patterns of behavior. Step four helps you to identify them in a very, mm, obvious and tangible and observable way. Just to demonstrate to you what I've previously stated, that this isn't some fatic exercise in do-goodery. It actually affects behavior and self-perception. One of the things that I remember like feeling a kind of the kind of creeping awe that one feels at the end of the usual suspects or any good suspense thriller type film, like that when I realized I had two relationships with uh, uh, women where I really was in love with them. They were whirlwind, stormy, exciting relationships. And when both of those relationships ended, they felt sort of similar. Me, in the same way, cutting people off. It's a sort of a tendency I have when I'm emotionally hurt. I just cut people off. Delete block, gone. <laughs> Never think about you again, one day at a time. You know, like, and, and I sort of, I had a particular perception about those relationships. I was savvy enough because of this program and what I've been taught by this program and people in it and the prayer and meditation that are necessary parts of this program that I have an over-reliance on women, that I nominate women to be not only carers, but somehow a cipher for spirituality, for the divine feminine because of an inability to adequately hold and own my own feminine creative flow. So I require an external feminine thing. And if you've got a minute, perhaps the roots of misogyny and men's collective inability to handle that potency and power and the commencement of agriculture is the control of the female. We control the land, we control the female. That's, you know, just a sort of socio-political, anthropological observation. But how it manifested in my silly little life was that I'd fall in love with powerful women, then not feel good enough to be in that relationship, then feel afraid and nervous. And, and to, to tell you the truth, I don't do well in relationships that are volatile. I think I do. I think I like conflict. It's ridiculous that like, someone that's as nervous as me shouldn't live a life where you're spending any time at all in crack houses and around sex workers and pimps and getting into fights and smashing bottles in bars and staring into people's faces and going, come on in, I'll kill you. Not when you're like actually a nervous, fretful person. It's the last thing I should be doing. Regardless, I've made such a terrible uh, misjudgment of myself. I was myself first, singular, maybe, <laughs> like uh, that I was forever finding myself in those situations and how it manifests in relationships with females, uh, it became clear when through this process of analysis, I recognized that one relationship had ended with a, a woman that I was really, really in love with, then another one ended, very, very similar, both women with a lot of sort of assets and profile and power, and I was able to cut them off and I felt like, there, you've won the relationship, you've got out first, you've walked away. But in both cases, when doing the inventory process, the resentment, I had resentment against them for not trying hard enough, for not loving me enough, all these kind of things, you know, and then I worked all four columns, but the resentment that taught me was for not letting me keep that dog in one relationship and for not letting me keep that cat 
in another relationship, then I realized, my God, you're not capable of admitting that you love human beings, but with an animal or a dog, you will freely, wordlessly love that creature safely. So when in an inventory, I'm looking fearlessly and thoroughly at my part, my resentments, who I am and how I've been, this information will be revealed to me. So when I was reading it, to like a couple of guys that were mentoring me, it was suggested to me that I read my, uh, my step four to a number of people, I discovered, oh my God, the way that I resented not being able to keep that dog when that relationship ended, or that cat when this separate relationship ended, it's the same thing. Like the, in a sense, when you become spiritually connected, my belief is you begin to recognize that there is a secondary language sometimes experienced as synchronicity symbols, archetypes, moments of clarity that will not be observed when you're unconscious or when you're trying to resolve your problems through material means. But as you awaken, these patterns, this second language becomes available to you. But you need a step five. You need to undertake this process from someone else because I don't know when I'm crazy and when I'm not. I've always had this problem. Sometimes, you know, oh, this incredible insight, this incredible intuition, this mercurial fleet-footed fox-minded wit and wisdom. And other times, you idiot! What? And I can't tell when I'm in the, that what mindset I'm in. It all feels the same to me. So, like, step five, undertaken with someone you trust, they'll say, Either you're being too hard on yourself, you're being too hard on that other person, you're not acknowledging the role your pride played, you're not acknowledging that you expected that person to behave in a way that was unreasonable, you're doing things to that person that you, that you wouldn't like done to yourself. Sometimes pretty basic stuff that can be found in Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, or just folkloric acts of bloody kindness. But it, your own myth can be a mystery. And I think step four and step five provide you with a clarity of your own myth and your own narrative. And the person you do step five with becomes a mirror, a lens through which you see yourself with new clarity. Having done this, you will have observed a great many patterns and significantly when it comes to steps six and seven, you will have noticed character defects, repeated character defects, flaws within your own nature that if they were removed, this whole situation would change. Then you begin to recognize, oh, it's not the world that needs to change. It's not the American government or NASA or the KGB or some bloke in my school sports day or Benedict Cumberbatch. No, it's me. It's my pride, my self-centeredness, my self-pity, my intolerance, impatience, greed, gluttony, lust, dishonesty, arrogance, sloth, jealousy, envy, self-righteousness, grandiosity. If they are removed, then Benedict's Cumberbatch and the KBG are free to be whatever they want to be. None of my business, none of my business. Liberty, freedom, step five brings you to that point. Next, we will look at step six, becoming willing to let go of the patterns and traits and character defects that we have discovered as a result of this inventory process. Thank you for listening to this excerpt from Russell Brand's Commune course on recovery. 
Now, if you want to watch the full video version of this course, including a variety of bonus lessons and worksheets, well, I encourage you to go to onecommune.com recovery and sign up for a free trial of commune membership. That's onecommune.com recovery. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to commune's course library and enjoy the full length version of Russell's course on recovery. Of course, feel free to email me with any suggestions or criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.